when you take how complex the uh, the swing path actually is and, and boiling it down to the angles, there's no way that you could train swing path with just, you, you would need essentially three coaches on each angle and telling players, oh, you need a little bit more angle there, a little bit less angle there. I mean, it's, it's virtually impossible to teach a player all three angles at one time because they all interact with each other. If you want more power, better vision, and a bulletproof mindset, then I would like to welcome you to CG Plus, Complete Games Online Player Development Center. Now, baseball and softball players of all ages and skill levels can access a multimedia experience providing education and instruction on your personal mobile platform. Rob Cruz has put together an online video portal, a remote hitting program, as well as a series of online hitting courses boasting a curriculum that features pitch recognition strategies, power, video analysis, mental skills, and then some. For more info, log on to www.cg.plus. That's www.cg.plus to find out how you can complete your game today. Welcome to the Transcending Sport Podcast with Rob Cruz, an audio experience bringing you interviews, conversations, and more from some of the most intriguing personalities in the sports world. And now, your host, Rob Cruz. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Transcending Sport. I'm your host, Rob Cruz, and my guest is DK Willitson. He is the author of Quantitative Hitting, and we are going to talk hitting. We're going to talk metric. DK, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rob. Great to be with you. Great to have you. So I was, we were talking uh, off the air earlier, and I was saying, you know, this is the first, and my audience knows, this is the first person I've ever had on the Transcending Sport podcast. We were actually going to talk hitting. I haven't done it. I hadn't planned on doing it. I was purposely avoiding. I didn't want to talk hitting, <laughs> you know, on my podcast. <laughs> but now I, I, I kind of broke that. I didn't break down because I kind of knew that I wanted to have you on months ago. But I wasn't ready to have you on myself because I kind of wanted to have a better understanding of, of things uh, in terms of where you're coming from. Yeah, that's, um, uh, that's great. It, uh, I'm looking forward to it. And um, so please uh, give us a little bit of insight into... Uh, your background and how you got uh, connected to baseball or into baseball and why you wrote a book. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my background is, is really investment research or was, and, and so uh, I had a son that had a, 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 a huge passion for baseball. And so you know, at the time, I really wasn't into into baseball uh, much, and but I've always been fascinated by by mechanics, sports mechanics, uh, complex sports motions. I played tennis, <laughs> tried to play golf. But anyway, so uh, w- basically, what <clears throat> what happened is, you know, with my son's passion and and my research background, I I started looking into um, the baseball swing and. And in the investment world, what you try to do is you try to nail down, you, you try to go really narrow and deep. And so you, you pick an area and you say, all right, what, what can I try to understand better than, than anybody else out there to, to get an advantage? And so with, when I looked at the swing, I thought, okay, well, that, that thing that I'm going to go deep on is, is swing path. 
<clears throat> and so I, uh, I started with video at the time there was no data. And so I just thousands, I mean, hundreds, I don't know, maybe thousands of hours of, of looking at video. And, and so when I, I found when, <clears throat> when I got in some of these, um, you know, online chats and, you know, other things where you would discuss swing mechanics <clears throat> that everybody had would, would see the same, they would look at the same swing, but yet, all come away with different um, ideas of what was going on. And, and so I realized at that point that I was going to need something, you know, more objective to um, really get into, you know, the, the data side and it really wasn't available until 2015. And so once, once the StatCast data became available in 2015 and 16, I really did 16 to use two years of data. Um, then, you know, all, a lot of these things that I, that I thought were there, like for example, better players hitting the ball more square, less spin, uh, just things like that. And it, it all really was validated in the data. And so then I wrote the book in 2018 and uh, yeah, and so here we are. My, uh, my son has since uh, left baseball. He's a big mountain biker now and, and um, <clears throat> I've just continued on this road. I really, I really enjoy what I'm doing and, and, uh, you know, finding valuable things that people can use at all levels of play, whether, you know, whether it's major league baseball or, you know, all the way down to, you know, to junior, you know, and, and of course softball as well. So yeah, it's been, uh, been a fun ride. And, and what prompted you to write a book? Yeah. So, <laughs> Oh, you know, so much, so much of my, my um, progression in this has just been, you know, I've, I've kind of failed my way to uh, success in a, in a certain sense. Um, so I had all these ideas from the, uh, the book, or I mean, from the research and the data and some things I thought were very valuable. And so I, I started reaching out to some major league teams and um, just, absolutely it wasn't that that they disagreed with anything they they just wouldn't even listen and um and so i kind of had a list of of things you know kind of what was the best way to monetize what what i had and you know top of the list of course was you know at the top of the game in major league baseball and then when I went down the list that, you know, the next thing was kind of uh, market and sell a device that would implement these things. And that's the quantity. Um, and so at the very, very bottom of the list was write a book because it was the, the, the least attractive thing I could do financially. You know, I mean, may, writing a book, you just, there's just no money in writing books. <laughs> and so, I, I got to the end of the, the end of the list and I said, well, here I am, you know, and, and I still had the quantity. And the only reason I didn't market that earlier was because, you know, in talking to coaches when my son was playing, everybody, you know, I didn't, I didn't want them taking their animosity towards me on, and my, you know, my findings out on my son. And so I purposefully delayed you know, doing any marketing of that device. So that was kind of, you know, always there. But anyway, so getting back to the book. So I got to the end of the list, wrote the book and published it. And, um, and of course, you know, it sat there on the uh, Am Amazon virtual shelves, just sitting there and sitting there. 
And then all of a sudden, I don't know what happened, but uh, you know, it started. People started finding it, and it uh, and it kind of took off, and and it got to be at one point like like second or third bestseller in the in the coaching section on Amazon, and so it uh, it had a nice nice little run. It's uh, it slowed down a little bit, but but it's uh, but it's, you know still doing okay, and and so it I but I never imagined that um, you know that it would have done as well as it did, and now. All these major league teams that are a lot of them that I was trying to reach, you know, they're all contacting me and a lot, several of them are and asking questions about the book and my research and the data. Uh, so it's funny. It's, uh, you know, if, I feel like, you know, a lot of this has been divine intervention and I got to the bottom of the list and, and now, you know, maybe moving back up the list towards some of those, um, you know, higher uh, things that uh, may be able to be monetized. So, so the book is called Quantitative Hitting. And, <laughs> you know, when, when, when someone sees a title like Quantitative Hitting, they're probably like, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to read that book. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Why, you know, why would you know, I want to read that, right? Right, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, it's almost like an oxymoron, like quantitative hitting. Yeah. Um, I just, just want to hit. I don't want to look at numbers and I don't want to crunch numbers like an accountant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, it, and I think that that title does keep some people away. But um, uh, so, yeah, it, uh, but yeah, it's funny that you say that because I'm, I'm sure a lot of people look at it in that in that light. <laughs> I'm sure they do. So so tell me why, why call it quantitative hitting and exactly what does that mean for people who may be wanting to buy it? I mean, I, I always recommend it to people. Um, but I want to, you know, I want you to explain uh, as, as simple as you can why why it's important that it's, that hitting should be looked at in a quantitative way. Yeah, well, um, so going back to the video and everybody saying different things, um, you know, so you know, the coaching community has all these things that they they believe work, but um, much of it has has never really been validated with, um, you know, with in-game performance data. And so I felt it was important to uh, quantify everything to where, you know, it's not my opinion versus someone else's opinion. Um, it's just strictly what the data says. And, you know, the data is very clear on on certain things that, that work. And it doesn't necessarily mean that as a coach that everybody has to do what works for the entire group overall. I mean, you do have outliers that have players that have um, very different mechanics and, and they work for those players. But as a general rule, uh, if you look at broad groups of players, there are certain things that, that tend to work much better than others. And so what I was trying to bring kind of to the, um, you know, to the argument or, or the situation was just a very objective way to talk about things that work in the swing and and some of the surprises that i found for example you know that that backspin balls perform better and go further than other balls but when you look at players um you know that uh, the performance at the player level was actually the reverse of that which when i when i found that that was it was it it really was was mind-boggling to me that uh, that you could have that happen and it really highlighted the issue of you know that um, that you can't really have 
it's it's not like a buffet, right? Where you can just kind of go through and order up. Oh well, I I'll take a few well hit backspin balls. You know, you've <laughs> got to you've got to take the whole the whole thing. You've got to take the whole distribution of results that go along with the strategy. And what happens is, you know, it's it's the balls that you don't really focus on. A high backspin hitter is it it's they just hit more bad balls. But if you only focus on the good ones, you're really not going to see you know, the, the broad story of what's really happening. Absolutely. And I 100% agree. And I think that, you know, going back to what you said, you said, you mentioned swing path earlier and, and, and the idea of swing path kind of catching your eye as one of the most important parts uh, or one of the most important ideas in hitting, which kind of motivated you to kind of to, to go down this path. Was it in the idea of swing path? Can, can you elaborate on that? Um, yeah, as far as, um, well, because, I mean, because, because, because we, we've always said in the hitting world and this kind of works, I mean, you mentioned that MLB wouldn't even listen. <laughs> and I, I feel like most baseball, uh, traditionalists feel that the way that we've always done it is the way that it has to be done. It has to always be done. Right. And, and they, they, we really blocked the progress of baseball. When you look at, at sports like golf and, and, and other sports that have that have kind of always been open-minded and always have embraced new things, therefore they're moving at a faster pace in terms of the evolution of the game. Right. And right. We, we look at baseball as a sport, as a culture, really, and the dominant the people who are at the top of the food chain are are like the protectors of the of of what can come in and what can't come in, and it's hindering the progress. So when someone comes along and says, okay. Is it hand path or is it swing path? Right. right. <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Yeah, so. yeah. That's and that's that's exactly right. I mean, it. Um, and and it is changing. I've I've found a little bit and that yeah, it people is. people at the upper upper end of the the sport at the major league glove they they're much more open minded than than they used to be. But mm -hmm. but you're right. It's still not where other sports are. And but to get back to your question on swing path, mm -hmm. um, you know what. They're, they're essentially these angles. There, there, there are two plane angles. Um, you know, there's there's a plane that uh, for for the vertical, like vertical bat angle. Uh, if you were to look at a swing from the pitcher view, you know that vertical angle. And there's another plane angle that's the the amount of uh, loft in the swing, or the if you were to look at like a the plane. Uh, from catcher to pitcher, how much loft is in? So those are those are two plane angles, and then and then essentially the the barrel slot or the path, you know, goes along that plane. And what I found was people were talking about the path. Well, you know, somebody has a steep path. You know, he's too steep or <laughs> not steep. Well, okay. Well, there there are actually three angles to swing path. At least three. There's actually more than that, but there are three key angles to swing path. So when you tell a player that they're too steep, well, which angle are you talking about? Are you talking about VBA, vertical bat angle, you know, the vertical amount of um, angle in the swing, or you talking about the catcher to pitcher tilt? Well, it, um, it's very confusing because that term swing steepness is very prevalent in the industry. And it, they're referring to the other angle. They're referring to the catcher to pitcher tilt in the swing, but, a lot of times players think, oh, he's telling me I'm, I'm too steep. And they think, oh, well, my bat's too steep, you know, too vertical. 
And so there was a need, I think, to really get into the details and nail this stuff down. Um, and, you know, so people could, A, so we're all talking about the same things, and then B, um, you know, understanding how it all comes together. And that was probably the biggest surprise in the, in the data was that how these, uh, the best hitters in the game were, were using very different angle combinations for different pitch locations. And so, for example, a low inside pitch. Uh, for that pitch location, the, the loft in the swing comes from two completely different angles than the one angle that is responsible for loft on an outside pitch. And so what was really another thing that was mind boggling in addition to the spin we talked about earlier was that these players had figured that out without, it was nowhere in the public domain for them to find it. Uh, yet, you know, as as the, the pitch location changed, they would change those angles to keep the overall bat loft about about the same. It's going to be a little bit lower for an outside pitch than an inside pitch, but it's pretty close. But just that they had all that they had figured all that out was um, was really really surprising. When I when I look at the um, well, first of all, I think what's what's been happening in modern and how we look at hitting in the modern world is that we've created a hitting language. We created a language like vertical bat angle and, and, and bat path and, you know, infield fly ball rate and, and batted average on balls and play and all these different ways in which we identify what specifically we want to talk about. For example, so for example, years ago, there was no universal language. 10 coaches could be saying the same thing differently, but in the translation, a lot of hitters would get confused. A lot of youth coaches would be confused. And there would be all these different things out there that were not necessarily scientifically true based on the evidence provided by the great ones or the, or the most successful hitters. And I think um, when we start talking about what you're talking about in terms of the three swing planes or the three major swing planes or the three planes that hitters need to, need to focus on or we need to focus on as a coaching industry, um, that that changes the entire conversation because we always talked about hitting as the body movement, the body movement or the bat movement, but we never specified it to specific pitching and specific mm -hmm. in specific locations. Right. So we have the the height of the pitch, you know, going across that vertical plane. We have the inside or outside uh, pitch on the same height. Um, and then we also have the depth of the pitch, which which is going to cause us to have different types of swings for different pitches. Right. So now now that we're able to actually measure it, we have degrees and we have you know angles and how many how many degrees is this hitter on that angle? Um, I think the key now, now that's going to change how we actually train our hitters now. That's going to change what batting practice looks like, you know, with people who understand it. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we. And speaking of batting practice and how we train, we have the quanti. Um, you know, it's funny because, I, you know, I've been, I've, I had the tea for a while before I used it, but before that I had the book and I had read the book. And I was, I found myself kind of changing what I believed. And mm -hmm. it, it showed in what I did in the cage with my athletes. It showed when my hitters came in, what I believed ultimately has had to come out 
Right. So it's like, I, I can't let you do that. I know we did that last year, but based on what I now know and the humility that I had to have as a coach to be able to say, okay, we were right last year because that's what we thought. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. But now we're right. Now we're even more correct. Yeah, exactly. Because we know more. And there's a certain level of humility that you have to have as a coach to go to your kids and say, okay, you know, okay, we did that. I know, I understand, but th this is a better way to do it. And here's why. And his his pictures, his video, his, whether it's still shots, video of hitters in certain positions on certain types of pitches and bats on, bats on certain planes relative to the body, showing them the evidence and being able to say, okay, this is what we need to be because this is where the best are. Um, what, what, talk to us about the quant team, um, why you, why you created it and how it, how it correlates. And I don't know, maybe, maybe we should talk about vertical bat angle, uh, explicit loft and, and, and horizontal bat angle first before T. I I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah, just so we can under, uh, understand what's, um, you know, so everybody can understand what we're, uh, what we're talking about. And, mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I know we don't have a uh, visual here, but you can go to uh, swinggraphs.com mm -hmm. and there's a, uh, there's a tutorial there and you can plug in those angles and you can see what they are. And so um, anyway, so vertical bat angle would be, would be how much vertical, you know, the vertical angle of the swing as viewed from the pitcher. And so it's, it's really a plane, the angle of that plane, not necessarily the, the bat, but um, we, we use kind of the bat as a proxy for, for the plane. That's kind of details mm -hmm. that, that we don't need to get into at this point. Anyway, so yes, there's the, there's the vertical bat angle that you would see from the pitcher view. Um, and then there's also uh, what we talked about earlier, the, the tilt in the plane from the catcher to the pitcher. So if that's angled in a positive direction um, up towards, uh, you know, uh, the sky, that would be a positive uh, explicit loft. And then a negative explicit loft would be a negative tilt in that plane from catcher to pitcher. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, and you can plug those in on swing graphs as well. And then the, the horizontal bat angle is just the angle of the bat as it travels along that plane. And so a zero um, horizontal bat angle would essentially be oriented to hit a ball to dead center field. And so if you have a, a positive vertical uh, horizontal bat angle, that would be a pull side hit and a negative horizontal bat angle would be a uh, negative or a, a opposite side uh, op, uh, hit to the oppo side. Right. Um, yeah. So we kind of got the, uh, the definitions um, out of the way. Um, and so you you wanted to drill into, um, I guess, what, just the quantity in general and what, um, what it does is yeah. that yeah yeah so because, i guess why the quantity and why not and i i kind of already know the answer but for my listeners uh why the quantity because i'm gonna tell you before you even start i believe that t-work is a waste of time the what i believe that t-work is usually a waste of time oh okay okay um but when i saw the quantity i had to rethink that because i said okay now we have more intentional purposeful teamwork happening right that will translate into what happens in an actual game whereas right. the traditional t doesn't right 
So right. I had so I had been moving away from T unless you absolutely had no choice but you had to do it. Right, right. I yeah, I see. You know what? And a lot of a lot of people share those views and mm-hmm. um and even I've run into some professional teams that um that say, Oh, well, we're not interested in the quantity because we don't do much, you know, T work. So that same <clears throat> that same uh mindset is uh mm-hmm. is definitely uh around in baseball though. Um, a lot of teams have changed that um, kind of like you have along, along yeah. your lines of, because here's, here's the thing. When you take how complex the, uh, the swing path actually is and, and boiling it down to the angles, there's no way that you could train swing path with just, you, you would need essentially three coaches on each angle and telling <laughs> players, oh, you need a little bit more angle there, a little bit less angle there. I mean, it's, it's virtually impossible to teach a player all three angles at one time because they all interact with each other. And so the quantity was taking that, all that complexity and boiling down to something that players could train on, something where they could see, see and feel uh, something very simple of, of what that complexity represented. And mm-hmm. so that was basically, um, you know, the premise behind the quantity is that, okay, well, what did the angle, what does that angle combination look like in general for a low and away pitch, you know? And, and so a hitter sets it up, you know, there's, there's the iPhone app and you set it up, it sets the angles exactly where the, you know, where the best hitters are. Mm-hmm. And you can see and feel exactly what they're seeing and feeling, um, you know, so conversely for an inside pitch, then you set it up, and it's going to look completely different. The angles are going to look com- completely different than it did for low and away. But it just boils it down to one, um, you know, summary angle, so to speak, uh, or one summary uh, setup that uh, you know that you can train. And then you ab- absolutely have to move into live training. And so the way that uh, we've been using it with um, with some of the trainers and 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 people that are using it is you know they go to a uh, into into live pitching um they hit some balls hey you know how how is the uh do they have a tight dispersion of of launch angles or or not and if they're struggling with uh with that then they go back okay well you know middle in i'm having a problem with that let's look at relook at that what that angle should be and and so then they can you know they can train that angle uh get the look and feel of exactly you know what the best hitters are, are doing in that location so i had you know i i read the quantitative hitting book i lost count of how many times i had to read it to fully understand it i, I just want to just let you know that <laughs> <laughs> but and, I, and sometimes i go back and i go dang it I, every time i go back and read it i i, I learn something that I, i'm like how did i miss that yeah, well, that's a great point. I, I still have a copy here on my desk and I have to go back and look at the angles all the time. Uh, what was the, what was the angle combination there? You know? <laughs> right. And, and so when, when I, when I meet people that I've referred them to, you know, to, to purchase the quantity and they, they have this tea and people are like, Oh, I gotta get that tea. And, and it's, okay, I'm going to give you an example. So I, I do these hitting labs across the country and I, I use um, technology to, to, to give the hitters you know, from the mental game to the cognitive to the cognitive process to uh, bad angles, and, and we do you know we do some some uh, 
some movement screens and we do exit velocity and all that stuff. We get all these numbers. And then I do like a little training segment. And when I break out the quant when I break out the quantity during that segment and I put those specific hitters that had the issues, whether it's whether it's posture or you know, understanding how to maintain posture through the swing to create to be able to even create an angle with their bat. Um, or even to, just to get on that plane properly. Right. Um, um, I found that I'm getting instant results. Cause I don't care about anything except results. So I'm, I'm finding that, I'm, and I'm showing people the results like in real time on the spot. In order for you to hit this pitch with this quantity, you're gonna have to make, you're gonna have to do something different with your body and do something different with your bat. Otherwise yeah. you cannot hit this pitch properly right. to get, to get the, the, the ball to go where you want it to go. So yeah. let's, let's see what happens, just go. And without having to tell them what to do, you know, they're able to say, okay, in order for me to hit this pitch, I have to get my bat in a certain position at a certain point at a certain time to be able to get this pitch to have the, the uh, trajectory that I want and, 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 the, and to be able to hit it hard enough at the same time. So yeah. once I, once they see that, and first of all, once I've seen it, and I've had, I've had hitters that I've had for years and um, months or, or even months rather, and then I put them on the tee and like I'm telling you within 15 minutes, and I get them back in front of us and, they, and I see the look on their face and I see the look at the, on their parents' face and then I, I see how I feel. I'm like, wow, this, this really had, you know, and I knew it though. I, I knew that, you know, when I, when I saw it and when I, I uh, actually, I saw it, Rick Strickland, you know who Rick Strickland is. Yes. Um, shout out to Rick over out there in St. Louis, um, put me on to the, to this tee and I said, wow, um, yeah, this is it. <laughs> Yeah, well, it, um, that, that's interesting because when I, I showed it to a uh, professional team for, out in spring training, and um, and that was his first comment was, you know, I, I look at those angles and he said, I it it helps me my body get on plane, mm. and so I, I thought that was uh, really interesting because you know we built it primarily you know for bat path, but it, it turns out that. You know, when you look at those angles, your body's going to want to get on on that mm. plane too. And and he said, even he said, even when I start to load, you know, I can I can see that where my body needs to be mm. uh, when I look when I look at the uh, the setup of the of the quanti. Mm. That's great. <laughs> That's great. So now, <clears throat> so now we have we have so one of the things that I could, that I, I, after reading the book so many times, and I, and I actually read it. I, I gave a copy to my son and I said, I need you to read this. I don't, I don't even know if he's even read it yet, but. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but how, old is, how old is he? He's 27. He's, he's done playing. Uh, okay, okay. He's done playing, but he, you know, he's still, he's, he's still interested in learning uh -huh. the science of it. We're, we're, we're like little scientists, it's a little science family. <laughs> so cool. anyway, anyway, um, the, the, can you break down for us the difference between implicit and explicit law? Sure. And how we can understand that terminology in more of hitting terms or more of layman terms for the novices out there that are just now beginning to explore uh, this, this, this kind of philosophy. Right, right. Well, you, you bring up some, some great points. And for example, when, when in the book, you know, I, there was one chapter and this, you know, talking about it, implicit loft and, and probably the reason why you keep picking that book up and reading it over and over again mm -hmm. is is why I, I ended up creating the um, the Swinggraph site is because 
without being able to visualize things, it's really, it, it, it just makes it much easier to be able to, to, uh, to see it in, in 3D. Right. And so that's why I created that, uh, that swing graph site. And so as I talk through these, um, these angles, you know, if people want to get on swing graphs and plug them in, it, um, you know, it could be really, um, really helpful in, in understanding. Um, but anyway, so to answer your question on implicit versus explicit loft, um, I guess, think about it this way. Um, if you had a bat that had uh, zero VBA, yes, and it's very unrealistic, but just say the bat is completely uh, parallel to the ground, mm -hmm. right? And let's say it's, it's uh, oriented to hit a ball straight to dead center. Um, and now let's say we're going to take that bat in that same flat um, VBA position and we're going to move the, the horizontal bat angle towards the pull side of the field by say um, 20 degrees, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so what happens is, is there's no change in, in loft of if you have a, a, a ball coming straight off that barrel, there's no change in loft, right? It's just a change in direction. You're just taking a ball that's going from dead center and it's going to be now going um, into left field, right? Um, but now let's, let's go back and say, okay, how does VBA impact loft? Okay. So if we go back and we, let's say we add, um, you know, say 45 degrees of vertical bat angle, um, to that bat. And now we move it forward, um, in, you know, to, to the pull side, that same 20 degrees. And now what happens is is what you've done is you've converted that that horizontal direction to vertical, vertical. direction or, or loft, and yeah. so um, that's how how VBA play vertical bat angle or VBA plays a role in loft. And so if you go on the swing graph site, you can plug those in. If you you know you can add a, a 35 degree vertical bat angle and a say a 20 degree horizontal bat angle. And even if you leave the explicit loft or the that that angle of the plane from catcher, pet, uh, catcher to pitcher, if you leave that at zero, you will see that there's still loft in the swing. Although, if you ask a player, do you feel loft there? He's going to say, no. I just I just had you know some vertical bat angle and I hit it early. And so that's the key. So if you want to think about it in a in a simple way, that implicit loft is only vertical bat angle and and timing and so vertical bat angle plus uh early timing will give you positive loft and vertical bat angle and and late timing will give you negative loft um, right. it works in both directions and so that's that's the implicit loft that that really hitters don't have much a whole lot of control over other than you know if somebody throws you low and in you have to be vertical are more vertical than you are everywhere else mm -hmm. and you have to be earlier and so the pitcher is really determining how much loft is on that is going to be you know we'll talk about ball loft but we'll assume we're hitting the ball square um how much loft is in the bat but so that and and then that takes you to the other the other loft which is explicit loft and so what hitters are doing is is they're they're adjusting the amount of explicit loft as as implicit loft increases, say for a low inside pitch, they decrease the amount of explicit loft, and and it works opposite for 
uh, for the other, you know, for outside pitches. So mm -hmm. explicit loft is really easy. It's just that catcher to pitcher tilt in the uh, in the swing plane, and that's that's what everybody thinks of as as loft. If you if you tell somebody increase your loft or increase your attack angle or uh, anything like that, they will always all uh, I mean almost. 99 times out of 100 they will increase that one angle they they won't say oh well i'll just i'll just increase my vba and hit it early <laughs> you know they just they just don't they just don't uh, relate to um to it that way and so that's why you know it's important to break these out and and have hitters understand that you know that that loft can come from two very very different places got it so now we have the, you know, most people are gonna, and this is, this, I'm, just, I'm just giving you the feedback that I'm getting in my conversations. Cause I, I try to keep it like, you know, when I first started teaching VBA and HBA and explicit and implicit law, it was probably back in the summer of 2019. And I gradually, you know, groomed, first I was just doing it with a few of my students. And then I was, then I started doing with, with everybody, right? And, you know, when somebody's not understanding terminology, um, they might confuse VBA with attack angle or approach angle. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've probably gotten that before from different people, um, where they may, they may confuse vertical bat angle with attack angle as a metric. Right. Um, can you can you explain the the, 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 the like the differences? Well, yeah. So so what? Um, I mean, I was even confused about what the industry was referring to as attack angle because mm -hmm. if you say, for example, went on the Blast uh, website mm -hmm. and listened to their definition of attack angle, they were describing explicit loft. They were saying it is the tilt in the plane from catcher to pitcher. Mm -hmm. So that's that's actually the definition that I put in the book, and I you know I, I probably need to update it, but I'm not going to do a revision just to update that one metric. But mm -hmm. what happened was when we started looking at the actual sensor values, the actual sensor values were were not what uh, Blast was describing on their on their website. What what uh, what was in their sensors is the total all-in uh, loft of a swing is attack angle. And that's the right term. That's actually the right way to look at it. Um, because, you know, you've got, you've got all the angles that combine to form a resulting angle. And so you've got to have a name for that, you know, for that angle. And, you know, attack angle, uh, I think uh, Diamond Kinetics uses their approach angle. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the all-in loft. And, and that's the right... Uh, you know, I think that's the right way to look at it. But the big confusion, I think, is that people don't realize there's a difference between the plane angle of, mm. uh, you know, from catcher to pitcher um, and the attack angle. And those are two very, very different things because mm. what, uh, the implicit loft that we just talked about before is part of that. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you have a, let's say you have tilt and you can go to the swing graph site and plug this in, but if you have, say, tilt, uh, positive tilt in the swing plane, the explicit loft, say, of 10 degrees, and let's say you have vertical bat angle of, of 35 degrees, um, 
you're going to get an attack angle that's much greater than just the explicit loft in that swing and it just timing um, determines a lot of the overall attack angle and, and what that's going to be and so but you're right there's because we don't have um, an agreed upon vernacular of all these definitions um, you know what one person refers to as an as one angle um, you know may be different than another and so um, I think what's important is not really so much what we call it, but that at least we understand what, um, you know, what, what we're talking about. So they don't necessarily have to have the same names, but everybody, we kind of all need to understand what, um, you know, what each individual component is. So <clears throat> I got this quantity. I purchase, I make the purchase and, you know, and it's funny because I'm seeing all of these, um, these, um, <laughs> people are like, I, I could design my own quantity and I'm saying, okay, you can design your own quantity, but are you going to be able to create the angles? Right. With, you know, and, and I, <laughs> so I'm like, it, it defeats the purpose. Like we, we have to be able to understand how to create the angles. And, and that's the reason why I've, I'm kind of, prompting people to read the book first because people just want to put the tea together and go out and hit and I'm like I think you should probably read the book at least one time through first uh, just to understand why that's this is even a tea why this is even a thing yeah yeah that's I think, a, yeah. So, so, you know because I got people that I'm like I tried to hey, you know hey go buy the book and I'm like first and then read the book for a couple of weeks you know and then then buy the tea yeah, but it doesn't matter. They're gonna go buy the tea, and then I, I'm just. Well, did you buy the book? Nah, I just, I just kind of got the tea. I'm like, all right, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to tell them. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you you are you are exactly right, and um, I think early on, I think uh, almost, I don't know, it probably eighty or ninety percent of the people that bought the tea uh, bought the book first, and so. Um, it, it, that was really great to see because the book really does help with the uh, with the tea. But it's funny you mentioned that because I had one one uh, prospective customer that that contacted me, and you know it's only on iPhone right now, and we've tried to get it on Android with, um, and it's just it, it it's just not working anyway. So he said, "Look, I don't have an iPhone, but I really want your tea." And I said, he said. I, he said, "Do I really need the? Do I really need the angles in the iPhone?" And I and I told him, "Look, I said, I said if if you don't have, and I said you can use an iPad too. That works. Um, but I said if you don't have an iPhone to do the angles, I said please don't buy the T, because what's going to happen is is you're not going to be able to set up the angles in an effective way. I've been I've been using this thing for years." And if I didn't have the angles, I still wouldn't even be close in setting it up on a lot of locations. And so, I I told him I just said, don't even buy the tea if you're not gonna if you're not gonna do the angles, don't buy the tea. And he said, really? And somebody <laughs> else somebody else said, you just turned down a sale because because he, he he wasn't gonna do the angles. And I said, yes, absolutely. I want people to get better. You know, I if if somebody uses it without without the angles, then there's a chance it's going to move them in the wrong direction. So what you bring up is a, is is an excellent point. Okay, so so now I'm just moving along. So we're 
we, we start talking about some of the major league players that you, you know, you talked about uh, square hitters versus backspin hitters, right? Right. And what the numbers say, because we would say, I would say, you know, or I used to, <laughs> you know, we, we got we got to get some backspin. We, we need more backspin, right? And I, I think we say that so that kids don't slice it and kids don't hook the ball, right? Because you want to have the ball spinning off the bat, you know, in a certain, as close to 12, 12 to 6 as we could, as we can. Right. But there's a, I think there's a profile for, for hitters that can benefit more from backspin and then there's a profile for hitters that would benefit more from square, from being a more of a square, a squared up hitter. Um, can you elaborate um, how VBA plays in, plays a role in that, and how we, in, in how what the differentiation is between creating more backspin and, VB, and what VBA looks like, or squaring a ball up, and what VBA looks like, and then what 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 separates those two types of hitters in terms of consistency. Right. And what you found. And, yeah, and, and so um, so we just finished a really, really exciting project where we got um, 85,000 swings, VBA, for major league hitters. Mm-hmm. And there's a very, very strong correlation between the amount of VBA and the amount of, uh, of backspin that uh, a player's using. And, you know, what we found is that um, and it kind of confirms everything in the in the book is is that um, you know as you flatten out VBA, yes, you are going to get more spin. You'll get more distance from spin, um, but your overall performance in general will will tend to go down. Um, and so when you when you start saying, okay, well, are there profiles of hitters that that maybe uh, can benefit more from uh, you know, less VBA and, and more spin. And um, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, there are, if, if you look at the, uh, if you look at the data, there's, there's just, there's just such a small group that's, that's had success using that approach over a long period of time. I mean, it's, it's less than, <clears throat> probably less than 10 hitters that, that have made, been superstar type hitters with uh, flat bats and, and, um, and a lot of spin. And I'm talking about since 2015. I mean, if you go back in history, there's everybody was flat. Uh, talked to somebody the other day and they said, well, Barry Bonds was flat. Well, <laughs> uh, Barry Bonds was is flat relative to the, today's hitters. But if you go back into uh, when he played, he probably had the most VBA of anybody in his, in his time. Definitely and so... <laughs> It, um, you know, it's like tennis. You wouldn't go back and, and look at Jimmy Connors and say, oh, I want to I do a Jimmy Connors uh, forehand. That wouldn't, certainly wouldn't get you very, uh, very far. I mean, there's a new forehand in tennis, and, you know, Roger Federer and those guys are, are using it. You, you just wouldn't get very far using, you know, the old, uh, the old techniques. And it's the same in baseball. Um, things progress. Players look at other players that are successful, and, and the, the overall game tends to change mechanics for the better. Um, it's just one of those natural things that happen, whether it's tennis, you know, tennis, golf, baseball, any sport. Um, but going back to profiles for a minute, um, so well, an interesting one is say like an Alex Bregman profile, um, and it's hard to say profile. I mean, because the guy is super talented. But he has a very, very flat, he has very, very flat VBA. And the thing about Bregman is 
that, you know, number one, he's in a very small group of people that have been able to spin the ball uh, with a flat bat and, and still perform at a, at a very, very high level. Um, but what's interesting about Bregman is that if you look at his power profile, his exit velocities, he's in the he's in the fourth quartile, the lowest in terms of of exit velocity. And so, you know, Bregman, if he if he wants, so if you have a small player with you know a smaller player without a lot of power, and they want to be a superstar, well, the only way they're going to be a superstar is to roll the dice. And, you know, like kind of like, and I call it rolling the dice. I mean, with his talent, maybe it's, maybe it's not rolling the dice, but um, just from a data standpoint, it says he's rolling the dice a little bit, but um, you know, he, the only way he's going to be able to get the power is through these synthetic sources such as spin. Um, and that spin has a cost, you know, mm -hmm. you, you can hit some, some very good backspin balls that uh, travel a long way, but in overall your your performance is going to tend to go down but but Bregman he's a great talent and and he's been able to make it work the other synthetic power component he's been getting is is pulling the ball and of course you know pulling the ball in minute made um you know and adding the spin you know and, and that's kind of what's made him a superstar now if if you were to somebody were to go to Bregman and say oh man Bregman you got it all wrong you got to use more VBA hit the ball more square well if you look at his batting average, his batting average on balls in play, that that would probably go up. He has not been a, a really high uh, BABIP or batting yeah batting average in balls in play guy, mm -hmm. um, but he's getting a lot of ISO or isolated uh, power percent from his you know the power that he does his natural power that he does have through spinning and pulling, mm -hmm. and so you know it's just interesting as opposed to like a you know a, a profile a guy like Aaron Judge who's got a really, really good swing path. He hits the ball really, really square. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't need, he doesn't need to spin the ball, pull the ball. You know, he, he can basically hit it not very well and it'll, it'll go out of the park. And so um, I, th I think the physical makeup does come into play. And, and also I think, um, you know, what age group and level are you playing for, ex for example, uh, you got a lot, a lot of younger players and they like to hit home runs, right? And if that, if that means that maybe they're not quite as consistent, I, I sure don't have, I surely doesn't, don't have a problem with, uh, with a younger player saying, Hey dad, you know, I want to, I want to hit some home runs. Well, sure. Flatten out the bat, get, get a little bit more spin and have some fun. I mean, what are the chances that so many of these kids are going to make it to the major leagues anyway? You know, so I think you got to take in, into consideration what, you know, what level, what's, what's the goal of the player, what's their makeup, um, what's their enjoyment, where, where's their enjoyment going to come from? Yeah, because when I, when I bring my hitters in and we, we, we break out the technology, we, we, I start looking at the amount of exit velo with the amount of bat speed. And I try to get the hitters to understand that if you don't have a certain amount of bat, a, a certain amount of bat speed, or if you're not generating a certain amount of power, um, trying to hit the ball 35 feet in the air isn't going to be beneficial for you, right? Because you're not hitting it hard enough to get it to go over the fence, right? So that that, that whole just understanding who you are and what your capabilities are kind of changes your approach to 
to what you want your your swing your VBA to be. Right. And, and we can change it based on <clears throat> the hitter swing profile to understand how it's going. And if and, and again, if the, if the if the exit velocity changes as they get stronger and they get a little bit older, then we can make those adjustments accordingly. To your point, so right on the, on the app, on the actual app. Um, it, it, just for those who don't know, th- there's an app that goes with the T. Um, and you, when you put the app on on the top of the T, and and you you start changing the numbers to create the, the angles that you want to create for that particular training session, um, you can see how the numbers change. But I wanted to talk to you about this one number that I've seen on the app, and it's called direction direction bias. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I wanted you to—I wanted to know if you could talk about that a little bit, and how do we come up with a direction bias? What is that based on? And then, how does that affect how we how we should be training? Yeah, that's a um, interesting question. So the direction bias is is to acknowledge that um, not everybody is going to uh, have the average. Uh, major league uh, horizontal bat angle so and, and hit the ball in the same at the same spray angle and so if we say that launch angle is the vertical um, angle of the hit the spray angle is the um, is the horizontal angle of that hit and so when we look at those horizontal angles um, some players are going to be more pull oriented like we talked about Bregman and some are going to be more oriented towards the oppo side like a uh, uh, Aaron Judge is a little bit more uh, like that because he's he's got huge power and he yeah he doesn't need as we as we talked about before mm-hmm. um, and so that uh, that direction bias is simply to acknowledge that um, you know if somebody's more of a pull hitter then you can adjust that bias uh, bar and it will change the um, uh, the overall setup of the tee to uh, be more oriented to the pull side or more towards the oppo side. Okay, so, uh, okay, we got that. Got it. Perfect. That was great. <clears throat> now, I, um, this is uh, another question. Uh, you know, I, I work a lot, a lot in softball, and I know that baseball and softball are not the same sport. But a lot of people who are embracing some of the more modern philosophies are looking at what baseball has put out in terms, of speci- mostly in terms of like metrics and numbers, and why those numbers. And are, are good for baseball but sometimes when I look at it I'm like okay those numbers are good for baseball but here's why those numbers are not good for softball and a lot of it has to do with um, the fact that there's a little bit less um, gravity or gravitational pull late in, in the flat of the pitch mm-hmm. on softball because of the fact that a, a softball pitcher is pitching from a flatter surface and they're not pitching overhand, they're pitching underhand, and they're getting more of a different type of spin direction. Right. And a higher spin rate on high velocity pitches. I'm obviously everything except for the drop ball. But but so for for you know, I noticed that we we we're we're accounting for gravity in the app. We know that we're doing that because we understand that just because the ball is suspended on a tee, you also know that that ball is also on its way down in reality. Right. Um so on the softball side, 
do, do, do you think we need something uh, different in terms of how we approach it? And if so, what would that be? Yeah, man, that's a, that's a really good and really deep question. Um, and the thing is, and, and I, when I started this, I, I wanted to eventually get uh, equivalent softball data to um, answer those types of questions. Um, because I knew, um, I didn't know, but I, I suspected that there may be some, some differences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, what, you know, our softball hitters, um, you know, at this point, we've just looked at the, uh, the Major League Baseball data. And so, um, you know, I've thrown it out there to, um, you know, some people in the softball world saying, hey, you know, if you've got the data, you know, I'd be happy to, uh, you know, to go through it and, and answer, try to answer some of those questions. But um, I think those are really key questions. And, um, you know, at this point, uh, it's amazing. The, the softball world has really uh, latched onto the T and, um, and, but yet uh, we, we haven't really done a, uh, any, any softball specific research at this point. Everybody's just going based on uh, the fact that what works in baseball should work in softball. But the question you ask is, is really important and should, <laughs> it should be answered um, because there are, I mean, as many surprises as I've found in the data, I can almost assure you there's some surprises in, in the difference between baseball and softball data. Um, and we may not, we may not just uh, know what they are yet. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I think because of, because of the rise ball, because of the, and I, I want you to consider this, because of the, because of the, the possibility of a rise ball. Like if, if I'm a, if I'm a softball hitter, I have to, my swing, I have to have a built in, uh, idea that a rise ball could possibly come. <laughs> right? right. So I can't have all my eggs in the, in the, in this big vertical, you know, big high approach angle. I, I can't just start dropping or start turning that barrel in that upward direction or that rearward direction too much. Because if I do, I'll miss underneath the rise ball. And whether and whether you know whether you agree that it rises or you don't agree that it rises or not, I mean that's not even a question. But it does stay on plane longer. Right. You know, it, it, it it's not on its way down as soon as, as some of the other, as most of the other pitches as actually as all of the other pitches. Right. So now what we have is this problem where the softball people are buying into. Um, baseball approach but then when when these rise ball pitchers are throwing the rise ball and they're locating it properly you just you're actually training to fail like you're you're, you're gonna fail because you're not gonna be able to get you're not gonna be able to match that particular plane of that particular pitch properly and I think um, you know so just just knowing that you know just what do you think in terms of um, some of the adjustments that a softball player would have to make for a high, high pitch? Like you know, you have the you have the middle, you have middle, you have middle, 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 low. For the middle high pitch, which would definitely be a rise ball, you know, I, I think we have to probably start to think about and play around with some ideas on what that swing would have to look like and how we create that on on the on the tee. 
Yeah, so um, I guess there are, there are two issues that um, that when I look at the data that I that I see that um, kind of uh, bring that into or or kind of frame that the um, the first one is the uh, is the pitch angle. So in baseball, mm -hmm. um, the angle of the pitch really doesn't um, really doesn't matter uh, as far as uh, in other words. People uh, up up to this point, and probably still do, a lot of people think that that matching the plane of the swing to the to the plane of the incoming pitch matters, but it really it really doesn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it may matter from from a swing and miss, as you as you bring up, and and that's probably true. Um, but let's let's say, for example, um, if we if we take the average. Let's just take an average fastball in Major League Baseball, and let's just say it comes in at a, a descent of a minus um, seven and a half degrees, right? And so, if you look at the players that have an all-in attack angle at the low end, it'll still be higher. It's still higher than seven and a half degrees. Um, they, yes, it is true. They swing and miss less as a group. Uh, than the people with higher um, attack angles, mm -hmm. but what the data shows is that it doesn't it doesn't matter. So overall, for overall performance, in other words, the the contact quality, both the contact quality um, uh, and the overall results are better with uh, with higher attack angles. And, and there are of course limits on the upside, but um, you know mm. spin. Spin comes from having a, a swing path that's too much uh, down, you know, down through the ball, and so the the less loft you have in your in your swing, the more spin you're going to have. And so, what the data suggests is that is that that matching doesn't really matter. So, the average uh, attack angles are much much higher than seven and a half degrees, uh, you know, on a on a major league fastball coming in. Uh, so. I would just throw that out that um, that yeah your your contact uh, percentage may change a little bit but mm -hmm. you don't want to you know a seven and a half degree attack angle is a ground ball right um, and so you don't want to orient the, the swing the swing plane to the, the path of the pitch and that's that's something that Ted Williams had put out there and uh, when I looked at the data it just it just doesn't hold up that the type that hitters aren't changing their path based on pitch type and how in that angle they're they're changing it based on pitch location but they're not really changing it on pitch type, well, pitch type um yeah. the other factor that we just uh learned about is that up in the zone uh so if you look uh, there's two zones middle 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 or i'm sorry middle up and um up and away those two zones um the the angles don't seem to matter much and so a lot of people think oh well to hit that ball up in the zone i got to be flatter um but the data doesn't bear that out uh the data doesn't also doesn't bear out that it's better to be vertical in those locations either but here's the key the reason why you want to be a little bit more vertical is that you've only got when you look at the spread of how much you can adjust vba from any in any location you've only got about 12 or 13 degrees to play with. So the pitcher has a say in the matter. They, you don't have an unlimited amount of VBA adjustment you can make to get to all the locations. And so 
what happens is it's it's better to be steeper up in the zone because then you'll have enough uh, VBA to play with to get uh, to get to the other locations. Otherwise, if you go flat up in the zone, number one, it's not really helping you based on the data, mm-hmm. and number two is. Um, you know, if you're if you're 20 degrees up in the zone, um, you know that means you're only going to be can get to 32 um, at, at the high end, and that's just that's that's barely enough to get you to a middle middle pitch, much less something you know down in the zone. Because what because I, I noticed, and and and, that, and obviously that's middle middle and middle out. But if you remember in this past postseason, Justin Verlander had had adjusted his spin rate on his pitch so that it wouldn't be on its way down as early as his other fastball. So I guess he, he had, he created another fastball. He created a different fastball that would stay up on a flatter plane coming in and not have as much downward because he increased the spin rate mm-hmm. of that pitch and people were just swinging underneath it. So right. like, so if, but, but that was that was kind of up and in though, so that doesn't really kind of you know that was kind of up and in because I was thinking about that as you were talking, but that was actually an up and in pitch. Yeah, and that um, you know when you look at the angles um, for uh, up in the zone not really working, it um, you know I think there's another research project to be done to say well what does work up in the zone and and for pitchers um, you know to find find out what. Um, you know what those things are and and to exploit hitters that that aren't good up there but but yeah so if you look like one year to the next um and you look just up in the zone so a player that struggles up in the up in the zone last year is more likely to struggle up in the zone this year um as opposed to other areas of the sw- of the zone where where these angles tend to work a lot more than just looking at last year's performance but but yeah up up in the zone um, really middle in a way, um, yeah. Those angles just don't don't seem to, to to work. Wow! So this has been great. So can you tell us how we can purchase the Quanti? One, where to where to find out more information about Quanti, the company, you, uh, whether it's social media channels, social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, your website. Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, so to purchase Quanti, uh, right now the only place we're selling it is on the website um, at hittingtech.com. And so you can uh, you can buy it there. Um, and then as far as uh, social media, um, we are on Twitter and that's it. Uh, uh, and you can find us at uh, Quanti, um, uh, yeah, at, at Quanti, and, and also our new our new website, uh, Swinggrass, swinggrass.com. Um, and you can see the, uh, you know, some of the 3D things we set up for understanding swing path, looking at professional hitters, et cetera. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where you can find us. That's great. Um, so I'll give you the last word if, if there's anything you want to tell the listeners. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks, thanks. There is one really, really exciting thing we're working on, and it just uh, we're just now getting into it. And um, so we've been focused on on path. And so there's all these uh, movement and body experts out there. And so um, in my project to get the vertical bat angle from video, uh, we developed some expertise in in doing that. And so what we're going to do. 
and I talked to a major league team uh, j just two days ago. So what we're going to do, or, or try to do, it's, we're, we're, we haven't uh, got it yet, but we're going to create uh, uh, 3D, get 3D body uh, metrics for for major league hitters and match it up to batted ball data. And so um, what that will allow is, is for all these things that people believe are important on the body side, whether it's, um, you know, the sequencing or body angles or, or whatever, whatever it is, we'll be able to uh, evaluate that just like we have these other things and, and see, okay, well, what, what actually does work based on, on the data. And so uh, that's something we're really, really excited about. And uh, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, you know, keep, uh, keep you, Rob, and, and everybody else out there posted as far as, you know, how that's coming along. That sounds like, that sounds really good. Because, I, you know, that's something that I've been kind of interested in myself uh, over the years is understanding the sequencing of what the body's doing and the timing of the sequencing and how it affects the bat. And then when you add that to the batted ball data, now we're like, we're, we're covering, we're, we're actually looking at, we can actually look at how every measurement affects the next measurement. Exactly, exactly. So we'll have the body and the bat in three dimensions, all those, all the, all that data, all those metrics uh, combined against the uh, batted ball data to, to see what, uh, what works and whether, whether it's, yeah, body movement or angles or, you know, whatever it is, it, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, we're really looking forward to that. So I want to let everybody know that if you um, have listened to this podcast and any podcast, you can go onto my website at www.complete.game forward slash podcast notes. So you don't have to take notes during the podcast. We take them for you and we put them on the site and you will have all the references that myself and DK Willerson have mentioned with links to check everything out that we talked about. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's great. And, and uh, just uh, your, your questions on, on some of the, uh, the baseball versus softball, you know, I hope that, uh, that somebody out there in the softball world is, uh, is as interested as, as we are in, in getting the data on that and answering a lot of your questions that, mm -hmm. that I, I took a stab at, but um, obviously it'd be great to have the data for all those. Absolutely. All right, we'll talk soon. Thanks for, thanks for being on. Okay, Rob, thanks.